Sometimes when I think of Ring of Honor, I go, ooh, that could be hard work. However, a certain man said, you should watch this show. Let's watch it together and enjoy it together. And you know something? He was right. And it's a long time since we've looked at Ring of Honor, and it's a long time since I've said this. Will you please welcome from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Mr. Marcus Green. How are you, sir? Good, man. I had to come back. I was starting to get separation anxiety. Oh, <laughs> man. miss you. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't tell John or anything. He's lovely. <laughs> John's, uh, shout out to John. He's been the absolute MVP. But, uh, yeah. If, I, if, I, if people keep willing to blow themselves up, John will watch it. So that, that's, what, that's what he's there for. <laughs> yeah, but I'm glad yeah. we link up. Uh, it's been a, like you said, it's been a while since we checked out Ring of Honor. I think last time was the 19th anniversary. And, uh, yeah, this company's been making some strong strides, and I think this show is a testament to that. So, I think, actually, I'm thinking back, and we talked about this when we looked at the 19th anniversary, the wheel seemed to come off Ring of Honor in 2019 at Madison Square Garden. It was like they reached their peak, and then suddenly they fell off the wrestling map in a great big hurry. Yeah. Because... They fired one lead booker to replace him with another lead booker who could be gone within a year and actually damage the reputation of himself and the company in the process. They'd have a mass exodus of talent and they'd lose, I wouldn't say they'd lose their talent agreement with New Japan Pro Wrestling, but their agreement with New Japan Pro Wrestling is nowhere near as strong as it used to be. And though there were New Japan talents on this show, they weren't signed New Japan talents. They were people they share with New Japan, which kind of tells the story of Ring of Honor. But in that case, case, they've kind of crept off, licked their wounds, and put together an incredibly watchable wrestling show from the ashes of what was left. Am I being unkind there, Marcus? No, I think you're being 100% accurate, uh, specifically because you are by no means biased when it comes to you know uh, Ring of Honor, really any wrestling program, specifically when you had to take out time to watch what this was almost a three-hour show, something like that. Um, yeah. But I honestly I, forgot that American shows don't have an interval, do they? No. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, but uh, like the, uh, I think WWE this week, they got their fans back for this show, and, and, and it really felt... Uh, the reaction from both the performers and the fans felt reciprocal. It was it was real cool, good to see. And like you said, you know, they Ring Honor certainly have had their ups and downs, but you know, they've been trying to rebound and uh between the storylines and you know the matches on this show and just overall direction with things they got going. Um it looked like they, you know, like you said, they've licked their wounds, learned from their their lessons and uh are pushing forward with some real productive stuff. So it's it's cool to see because we love all this stuff. We don't, you know, just want two or three companies to thrive. We want all these places to, to, you know, be going strong so these people can have some places to work. The good people, I should say, have uh, places to work. So, you know, this was, like yeah. I said, this was a quality show. Yeah, I mean, we, we've ragged on Ring of Honor before because their parent company is a political nightmare <laughs> for yeah. the members of the Troopany Show crew whose political opinions stretch from 
lefty centrist to lefty to outright communist. So, you know, we're kind of like, ooh, Sinclair at times because, you know, they they are a a company that has supported right wing causes in the past and have a news agency that is certainly as bad as Fox News, Fox News in that kind of respect. Um, but having said that, they were the ones, the one major company that actually did something during speaking out. They have investigated um, wrongdoings of wrestlers and find and punish the wrestlers involved. And so I can't really complain about them. Though I may not like their politics, they are actually fair and upright as far as it's con- treating professional wrestlers is concerned, which is kind of what we want, isn't it, really? Well-paid yes. wrestlers doing a job? Absolutely. You know, especially the quality ones, because, you know, the last couple of years, it's been a lot of uh, don't meet your heroes going on, <laughs> you know? So. <laughs> yes, indeed. In fact, the opening match features two guys who have not the best reputation when it comes to opening their mouths on other subjects other than professional wrestling, and that would be the Briscoes, the longtime aces of the tag division, Jay and Mark back on the same page as a tag team for the first time in a while, as they've been off pursuing solo pursuits. And they tagged up to defeat Brian Johnson and PJ Black in eight minutes and seven seconds. I always like PJ Black, and I never understand why he stay, doesn't stay anywhere for longer than five minutes. Now, admittedly, PJ Black has had injury issues, and he's been in Ring of Honor for a reasonable length of time this time, but he never seems to get anywhere. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, and, you know, um, I wonder how much of that has to do with his time in WWE. Um, yeah. You know, I think he, you know, obviously, you know, there, there was a lot of time where he just wasn't able to showcase what he's capable of, and he gave a lot of his, um, you know, uh, younger years to that company. It really didn't, you know, was kind of just pigeon hell. So I think once he finally got out, I mean, I think he's always been adventurous in his outside pursuits, aside from wrestling, which I think has accounted for some of his injuries. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I, I just think that's the vibe now. You know, when you kind of finally get out of that birdcage, all you just want to do is fly. You don't necessarily care the direction. So, um, but it has been cool to see him stay stay kind of consistent with, with with Ring of Honor and and obviously taking some guys under his wing. And you know, you, you see somebody like PJ Black, and if you know you don't you know you don't see the gray hairs or nothing, you you kind of almost underestimate just how long he's been doing this. You know, yeah. but. Uh, yeah, you know, even with his injuries, he can still go, you know, with the best of them. So it's always good to see him. You know, he's he's one of those, you know, better guys that we talk about in wrestling, I think. I agree with you. I think as well, Brian Johnson, is the up-and-coming star of this particular tag team, got a lot of mic time. And it's difficult to kind of, like, say about the potential of star quality in an eight-minute match against... Two guys are going 50-50 with them, but are obviously the ones that have the star power in the match. But Brian Johnson's got something about him. And he's good. He's a talented wrestler. He's still, you know, he's still still in the opening match on a Ring of Honor card. So there's a, there's a level for you. But that, that doesn't belie the fact that he's certainly good on a microphone. He's consistent. He's clear. He enunciates correctly, which sounds like a baseline, but actually that's harder than you think. And... He's got a sense of timing with his mic work and presence with his mic work. And when a veteran like PJ Black lets you just get on with it, that shows you that somebody believes in him somewhere. And, you know, match quality was good. You expect expect nothing left from the Briscoes. They're the quintessential tag team. They do get missed out of the conversation in best tag team in the world because they've never wrestled anywhere else except Ring of Honor and New Japan and Noah. 
But, well, they did. They wrestled in Impact for about a week. <laughs> but having said that, you know, they're the ones they've made a living for 20 years doing what they do, and they're not 40 yet. Yeah, that's that's crazy to think about, you know, even with their, you know, uh, social scrapes, you know, here and there. Uh, it, it's with the up and downs that companies had, you know, both in front of and behind the camera, they really have been, uh, you know, one of the most consistent things that companies had. You know, I, I look at them as like Ring of Honor lifers. You know, if they, they ever do a Ring of Honor Hall of Fame, they got to be the first two in there. Um, oh, yeah. That's... At least on the list of top five. But, um, yeah, you know. Uh, them boys, they just they consistent. If nothing else, they are consistent, and you know they always looking to work. You know, no guys, they they not gonna, you know, go down to their level to go bring them up to theirs. But you know, they they like I said, they are a pillar in that company. So, yeah, I would agree with you. They they really do bring people up and show how well people can work, and that's kind of their job at the moment. Until they throw them back in a title mix of one type or another, their job is to get people over, and that's what they try to do here. Difficult to get people over when you're winning, but it can be done. And Brian Johnson looked a lot better for this match than he'd go in. Because I didn't know who he was. I'd heard about him, I did bits and pieces, but I was impressed with the young man. So let's yeah. move on to... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a bit weird. EC3 and Flip Gordon. Just why? There's a question Here's the booking meeting. It's like, hey, what can we do with EC3 this week? I know Flip Gordon. Yeah. Oh, Mister, yeah. Mister, what's my narrative this week in Flat Earth Flip? <laughs> yes. Well, we got we got nothing to do with these two. Let's put them together and see if the well, the magic didn't quite hit with it. It wasn't all right. It wasn't terrible by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, yeah. Yeah. two guys whose styles do not mesh well at all. Neither of them speak much at the moment, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But it, it seemed meaningless and yet also confusing because apparently Flip Gordon's one of the number one contenders to the World Championship, so why did he lose to EC3? <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad you said it just seemed meaningless because I felt like they was trying to tell us and make it more important than it actually was. Um, yeah. Like you said, I mean, EC3 is, uh, to me, just kind of just, you know, uh, vacillating, you know, at any given moment between, you know, something important and then just stagnation and flip like you said is uh apparently has you know the next title shot so you know like i said as much as we get on his head you know it has been interesting to see his maturation through ring of honor and the fact of he came in it's kind of this up and coming really talented new guy and then obviously it got put through all the paces um with the likes of bullet ray and what have you and then he kind of just morphed into this more uh grizzled more physical guy um less about the I guess the aerial stuff and change the look and stuff, which I can appreciate because you have to evolve. Um, but you know that's been cool to see. But I don't necessarily know how captivating he is for me on the mic uh, when they did this match. Um, I appreciate EC3 on the mic, but like you said, he's not really talking and whatever he's talking about now, I'm not really interested because I don't, I can't, I can't understand what the direction is. So you know, this was kind of a mismatch for me. They might have liked the match, but for me, it was kind of just something for the Hatties to do. Yeah, I mean, EC3 is trying to reclaim his story. That's the kind of the angle, trying to recreate his career. And certainly Ring of Honor is the company to do that in, as it's the major company he's never worked in. Yeah. Um, and I understand why you've kind of got to push this narrative, because it's really what you've, what you've got. And, you know, it was 
I bought equally to do that. The thing is, I think EC3 is the ultimate character-led wrestler. He's a competent worker who can have great matches with great wrestlers. Flip Gordon is not a great wrestler. He's a perfectly competent wrestler, but he's not a great wrestler. So therefore, the match isn't what it's about. So it has to be about story. And when there's no real story, it becomes less interesting, if you see what I mean. Yeah. You know, it's... it's, yeah. Now, I don't want to rock on him because it, it's not a bad match but it's just like it's like the match we saw with Mark Briscoe in EC3 it's like this could have been so much better if yeah because and... the whole thing was about if you're looking for respect or this that and the third I mean all the reason why he, he got into it with a Briscoe because he pissed him off and got in, their, got in their way the Briscoes don't you know uh, start a lot of smoke but if you bring it to them they go be the ones to finish it so it, it kind of felt like this too like again Flip is you know, eyes focused on the world title, and then here come EC3, and it's like, okay, let me get this guy out of my way before he does to me what he did to Moose. <laughs> it kind of just stalled <laughs> out until he gets a title shot. Yeah, that's it. It's just like Flip Gordon's a mercenary. He doesn't care about anybody, but apparently he cares about EC3 enough to have a match with him for no apparent reason. <laughs> so, uh, I know that. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. It wasn't awful. Yeah. The guys at cage match, the guys at cage match, give it four point one six. So I suppose by their standards, it wasn't, it didn't break even. But yeah. you know, it was just, it, it's a match that doesn't seem to fit Ring of Honor's narrative. Generally speaking, you've got all these matches about the wider context of like honor and respect and sporting ability and athleticism, and then there's EC3 rattling about how he's trying to reclaim his narrative in this new age kind of. Like, if it was a proper new age thing, like Matt Seidel yoga drugs deal, then I'd buy into it more, if yeah. that makes sense. But the idea of EC3 on LSD is far too many acronyms for me to deal with. But, um, yeah, I could buy into it a bit more. But as it's just about kind of like uh, this soul-searching redemption arc that doesn't seem to have a, a path at the minute, then it kind of is a bit dull. Like I could yeah. see him doing it. I think I think the thing is he's an impact guy, which where he's had his most success. And if he'd done it all the way through an impact and stayed with impact for another year and a half, it made more sense. Because he's gone to Ring of Honor and taken the storyline with him, it makes less sense. Yeah, it really does, because it, it's it's something easy to jump back into with impact because it, it feels like unfinished business. And I feel like yeah. it's it's different things he could, you know, play off. Cause like you said, he's so good with character and, and, and doing stuff like that. But maybe he kind of just wants to kind of really separate himself from that. And I understand that uh, specifically when you had, you, you basically went to another company where you thought you would have some get back at and absolutely didn't get any of that. So, you know, it's just, but it's, it's weird when you feel like somebody's trying to take you on a journey where you, where you already feel like the destination is going to be disappointing. So you feel yeah. like Pulling your arm and like, no, I'm I'm good. I'll just wait for the bus. I, I'm good. I don't want to walk with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I think the thing is, Mike Bennett's doing the similar thing. Yeah. But he's way better at it with a lot less effort. Yeah. Then I. Yeah. But ironically enough, to your point, it's because he came home. Yeah. he is genuinely trying to change his attitude to life he's genuinely trying to change the arc of his career and he's doing it in the promotion that gave him the most success so it makes perfect sense for Mike Bennett 
and that's why he's in semi-main events, and it's why C3 is in the opening of the card, because it doesn't fit. So, you know, if it, I think if EC3 came in swinging for Roosh for the World Championship as a, like, big major international star lands in Ring of Honor, that makes sense. Like, you know, when David Boy Smith turned up in WCW in the, in the early 90s and just went after every title, one after the other. That made sense. He is a big international star. I was coming down from a bigger company. That makes sense. And this does yes. not. That's what I'm saying. I feel like he's just so isolated. We're not trying to, you know, come down on him like this, but it, it just it's confused oh. because we we watched so many stories. We've seen so many up and down things from from villain to hero specifically, you know, looking at our, everything we've watched in New Japan over the last, you know, just five years. But yeah, you know, with this, like he's a former world champion. Almost it's it's kind of mind-boggling me how he wouldn't come in looking for a title, but he's not doing that. He's he's looking for something that I really feel like either he already found and, and, and kind of just wants to prolong it or something that he doesn't really need, but he's trying to just make it a thing for whatever reason. I'm like, dude, it's got this title, that title, this guy to fight, that guy to fight. Like, go knock on Jay Lethal's door and, like, I'm going to usurp you as the, the guy here, but it's not like he doesn't have any real direction. And it's like, if you don't, you can't ask me to come get in the get in the car with you. I almost rather go with Flat Earth Flip because at least he he has a, a point gun. At least he has a pointed gun at something, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, it's like I mean, if you look at like the the story of these type of characters, which became really popular with Tetsuya Naito, but is you could also add, add the same for Andrade when he was La Sombra, and also for Rouge as well. The Los Ignorables guys, the guys that don't care, is they really care. That's the whole underlying point. Of course, NATO doesn't want the IWGP heavyweight championship. Of course not, until he wins the belt. <laughs> and then he will defend it with his life. That's the whole point. It's like, I don't need the fans. I don't need anything. I don't need a championship to define who I am. However, I'm still going to try and get the belt. That's the whole point. And whereas EC3 is not even saying that I don't care about championships. He's just not caring about anything other than himself, which is which would be all right, but I think he's trying to be a face, which is, you know, a bit odd. And we spent more time talking about this match and its shortcomings of story than we have about anything else. We're probably about to move on. <laughs> Next, we have the first championship match of the evening. 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 I'm only drinking coffee. Um, ROH World Six-Man Tag Team Championships. The champions, Shane Taylor Productions, Khan, Moses, and Shane Taylor with Shea O'Shea Edwards defeat... Dak Draper, Dalton Castle, and Eli Isom in 10 minutes and 55 seconds of a fun match, which was spoiled by the bait. Well, I'm going to say baby, baby face uh, trio by Dalton Castle being a dick. However, <laughs> I'm not convinced Shane Taylor promotions were heels in this. So this was fun. And a load of people I don't know very well. I obviously know Shane Taylor and uh, Dalton Castle. Uh, but the other guys who I have not been au fait with in Ring of Honor because I haven't been keeping up as much as perhaps I should. And we'll do more after this. Um, this was good. This was solid. This is a proper six-man tag team match. And it used all the things you wanted to use. And it had a story with a point. Dalton Castle is turning heel again based on the fact that he wants to bring entertainment to Ring of Honor. But no one really wants entertainment in Ring of Honor because it's not that kind of company. They like wrestling matches because they're a bit boring. Well, they're okay with that. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? 
No, I 100% agree with you. Shane Taylor promotions is probably one of my one of my favorite things in the company right now. Uh, Shane Taylor has been to see his evolution and where he's gone. Him him turning up things and getting more serious and and, and changing, you know, his look a little bit and how he moves and just his overall direction. You know, it's been one of my favorite things to watch. And then him bringing in Khan and Moses and, you know, making up this great trio. It's, it's, it really is one of the most consistent, you know, besides something like the Briscoes uh, themselves, like one of the most consistent things of recent um, and, and fun things to watch. Like these guys are amazing together. Um, and then you, you go to the other side of the ring and you, you have that solid faction. And then you throw these three guys, Draper, you know, uh, Iceland and Castle together, and it's kind of this stew, this surprise stew, if you would, that may or may not be the best thing, or may turn out to be the worst thing. And then obviously, Castle turned out to be the bad ingredient because you got, you know, Eli, who's this up and coming guy who, you know, has all the potential, but then some, uh kind of cocky veteran who kind of just is just all over the place right now in terms of his, you know, again, he's been the champion, he's been to the mountaintop, so he's not really, you know, uh, geeked up like that to, you know, necessarily need a title. He kind of just wants to do his own thing, but that's getting in the way of these two young guys who are legitimately trying to put their names on the map and get goals. So like you said, the action was great, you know, the interactions and, and told a story throughout the match. Cause this is obviously go, I would imagine turning into something for Eli and Dalton, you know, a veteran. And that's the great thing about Ring of Honor. I think the overall story of this show, you know, like you said about respect and, you know, being usurped by people and just, some of these veterans having to, you know, try to put the, you know, hands on the backs of these you guys and like, look, you, you're not, you're smelling yourself right now. You need to get humbled. And these guys like, no, you're not going to humble me. I'm going to leapfrog you because you're not the guy anymore. I'm the guy. So mm. telling that story, it's, it's, it's really good. You know, like you said, uh, just one of those things where, you know, you can, you can still look good in the feet because I don't know too many people you can, put together in a trio right now and, and really stand tall against Shane Taylor promotions. These are not toddlers in here. These are some big, properly fed boys that, you know, it's going to be a while <laughs> before they drop those trio titles. In, indeed, I think. I mean, arguably, um, the other six-man tag team heavyweight team in the world who are currently arguably the best six-man tag team in the world and arguably the best six-man tag team ever the Chaos Tree of Oroki Goto, Toriyano, and Tomoe Ishii. That'd be <laughs> cool. <laughs> Got to get the ice <laughs> out of that one. Yeah. That's, 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 that's 25 minutes at Kurokan All and everybody having an heart attack by the end. <laughs> Absolutely. That'd be awesome. Unfortunately, like we said, Ring of Honor, New Japan, not playing well together these days. Hmm. What can you do? But there we go. Um... Moving on to the next match. Oh, just one thing on like Kane Moses, Jay Taylor. Um, me and Rick Abani and Caprice Coleman were on commentary and doing a fine job, as always. I do like them as a commentary team. And they pointed out, Rick Abani pointed out, Shane Taylor promotions trying to do things that African American wrestlers don't do in other promotions and trying to treat themselves differently. And I see a lot of that in Ring of Honor, largely because the roster is very heavily um, African American. And there's a lot more representation, I notice, on the Ring of Honor roster in that direction. And I don't know if it's because they're from the Northeast, where there is, you know, a larger black population. I don't know. But I just thought, what are your thoughts on this as an African-American man? What do you think about that kind of representation on the roster? 
I mean, absolutely, I love it. Um, and it kind of makes me think back to, uh, you know, guys like in, in the past, like a, like a, a, three names specifically, like a Moose, a Cedric Alexander, and ACH, who they, you know, obviously are superb talents, but they could have done better things with. Yeah. Um, and, and so to see these three guys now, you know, it, it you know, um, almost kind of like those guys paved the way for, you know, betterment in, in this direction. But, you know, it's, it's always great to see. They, they really do have an eclectic roster and obviously, you know, them uh, continuing to build as they're, you know, ramp, ramping up things in the women's division. Hopefully we see, you know, a lot of diversity there as well. But, uh, yeah, I love it. You know, this is, you know, for me, it's great to see specifically guys like, you know, Gresham, who was killing it right now. And uh, <laughs> always been a fan of the K-I-N-G King. So, you know, it, it's, it's uh, like you said, a lot of representation that, you know, we love to see it. And, uh, you know, hopefully it, it continues, you know, all across the roster, you know. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I mean, again, it is like, it's the company least likely, you know. But I think it kind of harks back to me in the sense of you go back to the 1960s when the AFL was formed. For those of you who are American football fans, uh, you may know this story, but essentially the AFL was a league that started in 1960 and tried to be a major league of professional football. And to do that, they had to get players from places that the NFL didn't get players from. And they didn't get players from Southern, American, Southern African-American colleges like Grambling. Because they didn't, you, you hired at the time, you hired two black players or four black players because you want to have five and you want to have three. And you definitely want to have one. And the reason for that was because you wanted your black players to bump together on the road and therefore not cause problems with your white players, which sounds utterly ridiculous in this day and age when you look at the amount of African American people playing American football these days. But that's what it was at the time. And it was, it wasn't that the AFL was particularly anti-racist. It was that it needed players. Yeah. And, you know, that, that was where it was. But they ended up, you know, they had the first uh, black starting quarterback, I think. They had the first black middle linebacker. They had the first all-black defense because they went and found talents that the NFL wouldn't touch. And I think, not saying that these guys have not earned their spots, they clearly have. What I mean is, you know, Ring of Honor had to go to the well and people have stepped up into positions of power in the roster because other people have gone. Yeah. They absolutely deserve it and they've shown that they deserve it with cards like this. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, um, hopefully that, that mindset is because you do unfortunately have a lot of more people with that um, horrendous, like, you know, just absolutely timed out mindset that needs to be absolutely done away with. Um, but like you said, it, you know, we have seen several regime changes as longtime Impact fans. We know that well. Um, <laughs> uh, so, but it, but it's, it's just good to see that, you know, like I said, specifically with somebody like Shane Taylor, who's been there a while. And, you know, it's kind of felt at times directionless. And we've seen that with guys in the past. Like I said, your Alexanders, your Mooses, you know, your ACHs, where, you know, it's, it's only so long you can you can remain on that road. And those guys got on up out of there. So somebody like Shane is to kind of stick around and, and uh, you know, do what he's doing now, which is probably, the, you know, the, the best run he's had in his company. You know, it kind of really shows what's going on behind the scenes. So hopefully that only improves. Yeah, definitely. 
Right, let's move on to the first right, serious grudge match of the evening. We talked about Josh Woods and Silas Young at the 19th anniversary. Silas Young was then mentoring Josh Woods, and they had a falling out of that event, which led to this matchup, which was a last-man-standing matchup. Silas Young was undefeated in last-man-standing matchups, as, you know, the last real man. It is kind of his thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he made his match in Josh Woods in 40 minutes and 8 seconds. And actually, I think Silas Young's best match that I've seen, and definitely the best match I've seen Josh Woods in. But then again, I've only seen two matches with him, so that's not really fair. But this was a call. And uh, this just worked really, really well. It actually reminded me of like late 90s WWE main events, like Bretton and Sean and Bretton, um, Steve Austin, and you know, those kind of matches. Just yeah. straight tough wrestling. Um, I. I'm not a big fan of the last man standing rules because of the way they work. Cause I yeah. like the Texas death rules with the pinfalls and the stuff. But mm. as this match was, it was really, really good with an ludicrous bump at the end. <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I thought this was, I thought this was great. Um, is, uh, speaking of, you know, the other guys who are pillars in, in the ring of honor, Silas Young comes to mind as well. He's been there a very long time. Uh, really not shifted. His character really hasn't had to because of, you know, um, you know, just really being a standout with that particular uh, character. But, you know, it has been cool to see, you know, him kind of shift into a more mentor role and then obviously use that as a storyline with Josh, who's, you know, I, I wasn't familiar with at first. But then coming back to watch Ring of Honor through the um, introdu- reintroduction of the pure uh, tournament and, and all those happenings, I've gotten to see what he can do. And it's, he kind of came in, it's like, okay, the obviously the in-shape pretty boy and this, that, and the third. And, you know, having some good surprise wins here and there, but then putting him with Silas to give him that grit. And then Silas kind of knocking the chip off his shoulder. And then seeing Woods kind of cut the beard and cut the hair. It's like, I, I got to kind of turn things up if I want to get to where I need to get to. Because somebody like Silas, man, like, you absolutely just put that, you know, I guess that, what, what they call that, that alcohol on your chest or whatever. And, and kind mm. of make kind of make you grow some chest hair. So, you know, that's uh, Silas <laughs> perfectly in situations like this. This is this is who he is. He's a guy that can kind of take a L like this as long as it means something. I think you know, looking at somebody like Josh specifically, how you performed against him in this match, um, it, it definitely it definitely means a lot. So, you know, kudos to Silas. He didn't have to take a lot of those bumps, but he did. Um, nah. Yeah. So you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, kudos, kudos to him with that, that that insane bump at the end. Um, but yeah, you know this is definitely gonna be a, a mark marquee match in the in the in the rising career of uh, of Wood. So yeah, good good stuff. Yeah, definitely, it was a solid piece of work. This match kind of showcases Woods gets him over with a win over his longtime nemesis. And yeah, Silas Silas looks like a used car salesman in the worst possible way. <laughs> <laughs> so greasy. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't have to see that polyester suit again, though. Oh, man. Yes. It just, oh, just, yes. Bah. But <laughs> that's what Silas does. Silas does being awful better than anyone else. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then, move on to the next match, which was a bit of a coming out party for Brody King. Those of you who've watched Brody King wrestle before will realize he doesn't need any form of coming out party. He's quite awesome as it is. But they are doing their absolute level best to build a monster. And how do you do that? 
you take the ace of the company and you bury him in 10 minutes flat. That's how you do it. And kudos to Jay Lethal for taking this beating because it was a beating. He basically didn't get a word in edgeways for a full 10 minutes, didn't get a drink of water, as the old British wrestlers would say. And he did it for the good of the company because they need to build big stars. And it means a big feud for him down the line. Brody, on the other hand, looked like a million dollars, acted like a million dollars, and looks like he could take any championship in the company that he wants to put his hands on. What are your thoughts on this one, Marcus? Absolutely, 100% agree. You know, kudos to Jay for being selfless. Yes. Uh, as, as, you know, um, all the all the true vets and, and, and guys all who want, you know, uh, things to thrive, not only in continued growth and just the business overall, but specifically this company and somebody like Brody King, who has been an absolute beast, you know, that, that also has had a really good build. Um, and apparently is having a lot of outside success, um, as well between music and apparently as an acting role. But uh, yeah, this guy's an absolute beast. He looks every bit of it. He performs every bit of it. And, um, you know, like you said, um, Rick Abani and, and Caprice Coleman, who I'm a, a huge fan of, uh, just absolutely killing it on commentary all night, said, I mean, look, it was a shine of respect that he hit Jay with two finishes back to back like that. Um, because he knew it was going to take more than that. And then Lethal having to go to the well on that dive like five times, kicking off the match with a lethal injection, which got a one count of all things. Like, it really told that story of, I'm really out of my league right now. <laughs> like, I'm, like, I'm a two-time <laughs> champion. Uh, one of the, you know, the best guys in this company's history, and I am really out of my league against this guy right now. And there's nothing yeah. I can do about it. So, you know, seeing that story, which... He's even better because that's not situations you find lethal in. You know, we've seen him have his struggles and obviously trying to climb back to be champion and obviously forming things with the foundation and trying to stay, you know, um, that guy in the company. But, you know, again, I think that's the story of this overall card. These young guys are coming up and they're coming up hard and they're coming up fast. And even with the world title picture, having those rankings, everybody's, you know, kind of, you know, making their marks. So it's, it's, it's no dull ducks in the water. So. But yeah, like I said, overall, man, just great, great showing. This is how you can look good and getting destroyed in a way uh, because it's, it, it works for, for, you know, all things, point signs that, you know, I'm if I'm the champion, I would not want to see King in my rear view. Absolutely. So. No, definitely not. And it's funny, it's like I was shocked when they later on in the championship match and they listed the, you know, the top five contenders for the world championship and Jay Lethal isn't in the top five. And it's like, he's in the kind of Tanahashi role that is in, in New Japan. He's known for having great matches and is a great person that you want to wrestle, but isn't, yeah. is trying to get back there at the moment. And that's where his talent lies. And yeah, it's, it's, it's intriguing to see what they're doing with Jay Lethal because, you know, in many ways, back in the territory days, he'd be gone in somewhere else because, you know, he had the great run as a heel as champion, turns babyface, has a great run as babyface champion. And where do you go then? Well, you start the foundation and you kind of like want to look after the, the, the flame of what Ring of Honor is. That's a great story to tell. But you still got to have guys to wrestle. And yeah. you can't wrestle the same guys over and over and over again. So you've got to make some new stars. And, you know, Brody King has had the great babyface run in Villain Enterprises and the tag team with PCO. And these are all amazing things. But he's clearly a main event talent. He is a guy that has that presence. He is a guy that you can see 
you know, I remember watching him and PCO go to the finals of the Crockett Cup a couple of years ago, yeah. and the fans love them. These were NWA fans, Deep South traditional wrestling tag team fans, and they loved Brody and PCO. And it was just like these guys could do anything they wanted. Now, PCO is not going to do anything he wants. He's kind of on the downswing of his career. He's an amazing second run, but he's in his 50s. He's not the future of the company. Brody yeah. King certainly is. And, you know, Jay Lethal's just the guy to make this work. And that's what this match was about. It may not be the best wrestling match to watch for pure entertainment because it's there to set something else up. But actually, as entertaining beatings go, it was very good. Absolutely. Yeah. Next on to something that was incredibly entertaining as the octopus, Jonathan Gresham, successfully defends against Mike Bennett in 19 minutes and 21 seconds of a thoroughly enjoyable professional wrestling match held under pure rules. Bennett has the rub on Bennett since he came back to Ring of Honor and started to show an interest in the pure championship was, well, you're an entertainment wrestler. You train to be a star, as Ian Riccoboni pointed out on commentary. You aren't a wrestler wrestler like Jonathan Gresham is. Jonathan Gresham, one of the calamari catch kings with Kid Lycos and um, Chris. Oh, I've forgotten his name. His name's got out of my head. I can see it. Chris Brooks. There we go. Uh, Chris Brooks in the UK. Um, legendary mat worker, incredible stylist, and arguably the ideal guy to be pure wrestling heavyweight champion. Oh, sorry, just pure wrestling champion. Bennett looked out of his depth. That was the whole point. But he managed to get respect from Gresham as the match went through. And he put in a stellar performance. Though he didn't win the championship, he came awfully close. And in fact, closer than any man has come to beating Jonathan Gresham for that championship. And again, that gets both of them order over, tells an incredibly compelling story. And this is wrestling to me. This is the kind of thing I really enjoy and the kind of stories I like to see. So I'm going to love it no matter what. What are your thoughts, Marcus? No, absolutely. And I, I was thinking about you when I was watching this. I'm like, I, I know James got to be eating this up because one, there's a time limit. <laughs> Two, there's a, a, yeah, absolutely. There's a time limit. And this is this is just what you did, you know, a catch a catch can style and just letting things, you know, breathe and let things happen. Like, I think this is the most I've liked Mike Bennett maybe ever. Um, you know, besides when he, uh, I think first arrived in the impact was doing some stuff here and there, but, uh, eventually that kind of got annoying, but this is, I like this redemption story and him kind of, like I said earlier, coming home and trying to rebuild and which is both a real thing, uh, you know, as a character and like you said, as a person, um, you know, just trying to change, shift that mindset and go down a more positive vibe. Cause again, uh, the, the another caged bird has been freed. Um, and a certain aspect when it comes to this. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, for it, it's weird because I, I can, I definitely know the the feeling of, of being a fellow shorty like uh, Gresham. But you know, for despite his height, he is an absolute mountain in that ring. Yeah, um, and, you, and you feel it from the from the you know the, from the bell. I mean, you know, he's, he's basically Ring of Honor's you know, Zack Sabre, but maybe even just for me, and this is not, not because he's, you know, uh, you know, another African-American. He's just, he has this way of just drawing you in even more so, I think, than Zack Sabre. Like I say, he plays chess. You know, Zack is definitely one of the kings of chess, but Jonathan has this, this you know, pop of style about him. Like, just the concept that he's never won, like, he's got an 11-match win streak, and he's never won uh, a match the same way twice. 
Yeah. That's scary. Like, I might have bowed out just being an opponent knowing that. Like, what? <laughs> you tell him, what, he don't have a finisher? That's what you tell him? He just be, you know, he takes the win however he can. Like, no, he, he taps people out. He just never taps them out the same way twice. That, that is scary that you can watch hours of footage on this guy and still have no clue what's going to happen to you in there. And I think, you know, um, all you can be like, like Benny was in this match against somebody like Gresham is tough. Because you just you just never know that move he pulled on him at the end it looked just gnarly, and with yeah. the him running out of those rope breaks and stuff, which adds even more attention to the match. It's just this is this is the match you you, you watch when you want somebody to really you know look at and and understand the fine tunings of like you know the realest you can come to to a match that doesn't have all the pomp and circumstance that I think. A lot of us American fans kind of get, can get used to. This is the grit. You know, this is, you know, why these guys are, are called the best of the best. This is why Jonathan got called, what did you call him? The, the Calamari Catch Can King? Like yeah, that. Well, the, the, the tag team, the original Calamari Catch Kings with Chris Brooks and Jonathan Gresham. When Jonathan Gresham had to go back to the U.S., then, it, then Kid Lycos, the first Kid Lycos, took over. And that they based around the fact they were the best technical wrestlers in the UK at the time. And they yes. were. That's, yeah. you know, it is supposed to be like an octopus has attacked you because you're getting attacked from all angles. That was their idea. Yeah, that is, yeah. that is, no, no, there's no more perfect moniker than that. And that name is sick, by the way, Calamari Catch Kings. That's sick. But, um, yeah. Honestly, I was there, not Gresham and Brooks, the Knight Lycos and Brooks came to, progress and they had a rep all the way through the uk wrestling scene as the tag team to watch and they'd never appeared on a progress show before and it was british strong style trent and uh, uh pete and um you're the lad there his name escapes me he's always <laughs> trent seven and pete uh don and uh i always i can't remember his name i've seen him this is the thing he used to be i used to, one of my favorite wrestlers and i'm his name escapes me because I've seen that little of him. Uh, pretty strong style, he says, looking it up on his computer. Um, where was we? Yes. Yeah, I'm going to get this right and make sure I get it. Taylor, Tyler Bate, there we go. It was Tyler Bate and, and Trent Zevin were the, were the big bad heels at the time in progress. And Pete Dunn was WWE UK champion and he was uh, progress champion. And Travis Banks was the, the turning baby face. But he was really still a heel. And Dunn comes down and attacks but Travis Banks in the main event after the main event's finished. And then Riddle comes down. This this is a this is a clearly a you know uh, <laughs> a card of idiots, but there we go. And Riddle gets beat up. And then the CCK's music hit, and I've never heard a pop like it. Honestly, it was like the loudest pop I've ever heard in person. And they were supposed to come in as heels. <laughs> it was like Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, were heel, they were, yeah, they were heels the rest of the country, and they just exploded. And the reason why was because that work ethic of be the best had been drilled into them from the start. They'd done their homework. They are the most creative tag team in British wrestling since the Royal Brothers in the 60s. Like, if you think about the all time great British tag teams, you're always going to say British Bulldogs because they were the most famous. Yeah. But the Royal Brothers were the quintessential British tag team. They did everything under Mount Evans rules. 
and they were superb grade A Jonathan Gresham level wrestlers, as well as incredible characters and creative minds like the Marx Brothers. Imagine that as a wrestling tag team. And the CCK were just like that in that mold. And yeah, me, Gresham kind of follows that through in Ring of Honor. His character hasn't changed much since those days. Yeah. Because it's a really good character. Why change a thing? I'm the best technical wrestler in Ring of Honor and I can beat you any way I want. Now come try. Yeah. What more could you want? Absolutely not going to be bored. Like, like I said, if, if Save was like this, this, uh, you know, this, um, this Python that, that, you know, this unrelenting octopus is definitely Gresham. Um, and it just, I think, the, the overall, getting back to these, you know, this pure concept and the title and the tournament has been one of the best things the company could have did for itself because it's, you know, not only putting this type of wrestling back on the map, which is akin to why people fell in love with the company in the first place, but it's, it's, it's forcing a lot of these talents and characters to change by the very nature of the concept. Like, you're not getting this version of Bennett. You know, in, in yeah. another scenario, or, or other guys, they're having to change their style, which is changing their character and how they think and going there and, and you know things like that. So it's really cool to see, you know, just that concept and then obviously aggressions. You know, I'm as the kind of the gatekeeper of it. Like, look, man, if you want, you got to step up to my level to even you know touch this title. Like, I restore the purity into this title back into this company, and if anybody wants to take it off me, they're gonna have to best him but i just i can't see it and i think that's the great thing right now you're really gonna have to have somebody to come in and shock him knock him out or really just out wrestling but i just can't see that right now so guys like him brody king like it's, it's some really good stuff to watch you know but i, I gotta give credit to, to bennett because he's come such a long way from where he was so you know yeah no it's i mean but it's um He's not. Um, you know, he's never been known as a great mat technician. Yeah. But you could see he's trained hard to become really good at this style to make it believable. You know, and just watch the right guys borrowing moves from Nigel McGuinness. That's going to get you over the ring of audio audience very quickly. <laughs> you know, it's like ah, how do I do that? And I do this and I do that. And it's like his mat work was crisp and it was clean and he was clearly you know trying really hard. I think the difference between Zack Sabre Jr. And, and Gresham is really, like, Zack's much more into that catch style, that folk wrestling style. There's lots of um, improvisation of finding the ways of manipulating joints, whereas Gresham's actually much more like a British pro style, which is based on the catch style, but was more stylized version of it. So watching those two, it'd be really interesting to have a singles match between those two, I think, just to see what it would lay out like and what it would play. I'm sure it's probably happened somewhere. <laughs> I'll probably find it on YouTube. I'm going to find it. I'm going to look at it on YouTube now. Let's see if there is one there. But, you know, I think that's the, the thing is technical wrestling like that really hasn't been popular um, for so long uh, because you need, you, you can do it, but you've got to have the people that can make the character decisions that make it work, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, funnily enough, they wrestled for Ring of Honor at Final Battle two years ago. There you go. <laughs> um, and there's quite a few of them. There's Zack Sabre Jr. versus um, Jonathan Gresham from a British ring by the looks of things. Oh, no, it's Beyond Wrestling. Um, so that would be, be a while back. Uh, they wrestled for Beyond a couple of times. There's, there's um, 
Uh, oh yeah, Zach Saber Jr. Matty Skull versus Jonathan Gresham, Matt McKinnon, Supremacy, Cody Rhodes versus Zach Saber Jr. That's 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 definitely not that. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's plenty of Zach Saber Jr. Jonathan Gresham's versus Akuma. Um, that would be interesting. Uh, yeah, from CZW. Um, so yes, this, there are some interesting matches out there involving your Gresham and your Zaber Jr. Um, I think the one from Beyond would probably do it the best because they, they like their wrestling at Beyond and their violence. Lots of violence. Speaking of which, a former Beyond Wrestling mainstay, Chris Dickinson, was in this match as Violence Unlimited. Chris Dickinson and the former Ring of Honor heavyweight champion Homicide defeated the foundation, Jonathan Gresham and Rhett Titus. But I've missed a match out, so we'll go back. Because that was silly of me. Let's go back to the Ring of Honor World title match, because that was really important too. And another member of Violence Unlimited, Tony Deppen, um, lost the Ring of Honor World Championship to your Dragon Lee. New Japan fans will know him as Ryu Lee. I'm not sure how he got the Dragon Lee name back. Somebody at CMLL must have liked them or something but they didn't like the way they left the company. 10 minutes and 13 seconds of an exceptionally good professional wrestling match. This was really, really cool. I've watched a fair bit of Deppin this year because he's been doing a lot of the GCW shows, and I was really intrigued as how he would take on in Ring of Honor because he's not a traditional Ring of Honor guy in the sense that he's not got the look. He's got the wrestling ability, but he's not like a Ring of Honor guy, Ring of Honor guy, if you see what I mean. And he's gone far, quickly. And I really enjoy his work. What are your thoughts on it, Marcus? Yeah, I, I, I really dug this match. I, you know, it's one of my favorites of the night, actually. Um, he just came, and I think he's, you know, like, I, I think he might have been in the pure tournament, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yes, I think he was. And, he's, and, and that's been another thing about that's been so great about tournaments. It's allowed us, you know, fans to get, you know, introduced to such great talent that might not necessarily have the look, but the minute that bell turns on, it's like, Oh, this guy! Oh, he's about to—he's about that action, because he came to that ring and wanted all the smoke with Dragon Lee, and just, <laughs> and he, when he did that cannonball, I'm like, I had to pause. I'm like, he didn't just do that. He didn't, because I'm like, I think he killed him. Like I said, it looked like he killed him. He dropped him dead on his head. I'm like, I didn't see that. And then they replayed. I'm like, he really did a cannonball. It's rare when you see something new in Ring of Honor. Yeah. It's rare because it's it's you know it, it, things have been done and then things have been done to death and things are done to you know make people dead and then it's like oh that didn't finish the match but we know the narrative so when you see something like that 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 is insane and it happens so fast it's just it's, this match was insane in the best way and to have the King King on commentary you know hyping up Lee um, it, it was just some great stuff, man. So, you know, I, I implore people, you know, uh, if you got to catch a match on this show, definitely make this one up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Dragon Lee is just outstanding. Always yeah. is. Best value for money wrestler in the world. He's going to do something, like, mind-blowing every time you see him wrestle. I think he falls down on his mic skills but then again you know i don't know what his english is like but it, i think it's probably a mix of size and mic skills and one thing or another but actually his in-ring worker he's on another planet when he's with someone like a romu or in this case tony deppen he can produce something incredibly special and i think this is this is one of those kind of times and there's no knock on deppen who was amazing as well because you know it takes talent to take a beating this good 
and he did it really, really well. Um, I like Tony Deppin a lot, and I, I think he's going to go far in Ring of Honor. And yes. I like uh, Dragon Lee a lot, and I'm intrigued as to what they're going to do next, or what he's going to do next with him. So we shall see, I'm down. Yeah. Yeah, but arguably the best match on the card, I would say. Yeah, agree, agree. Yeah. So next up, the foundation, who were tag team champions, like I said earlier. Jonathan Gresham actually wasn't the tag team champion. Uh, Rhett Titus, who was his tag team partner, Marcus, the original tag team champions? Oh, yeah, it was uh, yeah, Titus and Gresham with uh, Chris Dickerson and Homicide. Yes, but I mean, like, Gresham was subbing, wasn't he? Who was he subbing yeah, he was, for? He was subbing because, um, doggone, um, Lethal got uh, killed. <laughs> Earlier. <laughs> Yes, we yeah. we pray for Lethal because he he uh, he got kinged. He got Brody kinged. Um, yeah. So yeah, the Gresham, Gresham was coming from his match and immediately like, dude, we need you to sub. Like when the match is like right now, it's like, oh oh okay. And, but but luckily <laughs> they actually put the Deppin Lee match um, before that to give him a little breather. But I think it, I mean it was Dickinson and, and Homicide is a one man van damn near by himself. So it was. Uh, <laughs> It was gonna be an uphill battle. Then you, then you know, stuff. Weapons got involved. Man, it was. Uh, yeah, it was gonna be a task. Yeah, I'm. I love Chris Dickinson. I love Homicide as well. But Chris Dickinson does has had an amazing year between GCW, Ring of Honor, New Japan, uh, Strong. He's been doing loads of different stuff, and I just love the guy. And he's such a good wrestler. And I'm finally glad he's getting his due. Um, because he's worked incredibly hard to get this far. You know, um, I first heard about him with the matches he had with Kimberly in Beyond, where he murdered Kimberly a couple of times, <laughs> um, but like buckle bombs from hell and things like that. But yeah. it, it made both of them famous. So they became, you know, uh, this was obviously Chris Dirty Dickinson back in the day. He's calmed down a bit, but his ability, his map, but map, wrestling ability is exceptional he's an incredible shoot style wrestler he's a great brawler and he kind of matches ring of honor down to a t as much as he matches his new japan down to a t and it's kind of like well, why haven't you hired him before now why did you wait till you run out of everybody else <laughs> it's like you could run him for the last five years he'd been world champion four times over by now what are you playing at um but yeah dickinson and homicide are a cracking tag team homicide of course brings a lot of veteran kind of noose to make a story work really well. And in a match without honor, they were just the right guys to do what they needed to do. Rhett Titus does look incredibly good these days, doesn't he? You know, he never yeah. really kind of got in before, but with the foundation, with a bit of presence and timing, he's actually becoming exceptionally good. And so, yeah, everyone in this match worked the socks off and took ridiculous bumps and got the reds kicked in. And it was worth it from an entertainment point of view. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, it was going to be up here about it because, well, I mean, you know, Gresham didn't just have a match. He had a pure match. So that that alone requires, I think, a different level of calm down, um, even <laughs> with him in, in the shape that he's in, you know. Uh, so, I mean, that was up here. But he got a little bit of a break. But when you come in and, and Dickinson and Homicide wanted all the smoke with those guys, and like I said, you introduce weapons, and it's just it's a war of attrition that I, I just think Dickinson and Homicide was more ready for. So, this this whole con this feud is far from over, but tonight tonight they were just they were just in uh they wanted it more, you know. Indeed. 
yes, I would agree with you. It was just that was a story that was told, and that was just what it needed to be. And you know, it it was just really good, just solid piece of work. Obviously, um, next matchup was the main event, which was Bandido, and he defeated Roosh in 16 minutes and two seconds to win the Ring of Honor World Championship. I no one mentioned this, but I'm pretty sure this is the first time two Mexicans had wrestled for the Ring of Honor World Championship in the main event of the pay-per-view. Am I right? I think you are. I, I, I slightly thought about that, because I'm, but I, I was kind of hesitant, because I'm like, with everything that's been going on with Roosh, and then obviously you've got the trio of Bandito, I think uh, Flamita, and um, I'm forgetting the third guy. But, um, yeah, but I think you definitely are right in the fact that it was the main event for the world title, specifically on a major pay-per-view. So, yeah, that's that's definitely something to point. I'm surprised they didn't point that out on uh, commentary. I'm trying to, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think if it had worked and it had been anywhere else. But I would think Eddie probably defended against Ray in WWE. But then again, Eddie's a Texan, so he's not Mexican. Always of you know Mexican descent uh, or well, Tejano descent, isn't he? Um, and I'm trying to think who else was the B. Who else was possible? Uh, oh yeah, of course it would be. Um, uh, I believe uh, Pentag- Pentagon Junior and uh, Phoenix in Impact Wrestling would be one, wouldn't oh, it? Yeah. Like a major, major championship. So yeah, it's not the first time two Mexicans had wrestled for the a major championship in the event of a major pay per view in North America. Sorry, not North America in the United States and Canada, because obviously Mexican wrestlers challenge for heavyweight titles in Mexico all the time. Yeah. <laughs> But, Maybe um, say the Ring of yeah. Honor. Yeah, but in Ring of Honor, yeah, definitely. I think it's the first time, and that's then no one mentioned it. I'm like, you were an incredibly diverse company that does all sorts of cool things. In fact, before we talk about that match, we should actually talk about the women's tournament because yeah. um, Maria Canellis announced all the brackets for the women's tournament with some big names mm-hmm. like your yeah, Mandy Rose and like from Ring of Honor kind of days and uh, Angelina Love and of course. Uh, Alice AK47, Allison K, and Martina Session Moth, who I think will be surprised of the tournament myself because everybody fancies Martina. So, yeah, that was really interesting. And of course, I announced the return well, no, the debut in Ring of Honor of the hot mess Chelsea Green, who was just fresh off of a 90 day clause. <laughs> yeah, yeah, another, another cage bird. Um... Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting to see. I mean, I think that then they uh, also unveiled a title um, for the for the whole thing, and which is which is cool. Um, yeah, it's just exciting to see. Obviously, we're, we're big fans of women's wrestling, um, as anybody would know. Listening to this show for a while, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like I, I just I just wanted to finally get some some fire and momentum because obviously I think uh, maybe. Yeah, I think it's uh, Deanna and Chelsea uh, Parasso that are that are really good friends, and that have been you know championing each other back and forth uh, on social media, and and it's it's interesting that because I think they tried to do the same thing kind of with Deanna spearheading it you know a while ago, and that didn't necessarily work out. So to see now it's Chelsea potentially getting a similar opportunity, it's it's interesting in that regard. But um, yeah. yeah. It, it's really cool to see. I, I can't say that I've been a huge fan of her in the ring. I mean, obviously, about my biggest thing seeing her has been, you know, that that hot mess 
variation that she did in Impact, which is not really easy to do, um, you know, with, with what she did, because a lot of people don't don't really stay consistent with that stuff. But she 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 star dusted it. Um, <laughs> but that was that was that was good, which I can appreciate commitment to, to whatever lunacy it is, as long as you commit to it. But yeah, I mean, this is cool to see. You know, like I said, this is something that Ring of Honor's deserved for a very long time. And it's good to see them finally find out some momentum. I'm looking forward to this tournament. I hope it kind of lives up to um, its potential. And we finally get some consistent momentum, you know, with, with a division. Because it has been a missing component. And with everything kind of going good in these other divisions. And they even, I mean, even all the factions, you know, got got a lot of momentum. So, you know, I hope this kind of goes the way they, they want it to. Because, you know, uh, it's only so many more times they can do like a... Um, a restart with this whole concept. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been the women's division, Ring of Honor, has it had a good start back in the early early 2010s, and then it kind of like faded off. And then there were some horror stories, and you know, essentially they've had Sumi Sakai holding the whole thing together for like the last five years. And the fact that they've actually managed to get something that works and has got a reasonable level of talent in it. And you've got some big name freelancers like Alison Kay and and Chelsea Green and some big name signees like Session Moss and Angelina Love, which means it's going to have a level of um, kudos that previous attempts to get this off the ground didn't have. And if they treat it properly and have matches that are Ring of Honor style matches that last 10 to 15 minutes rather than the usual three, then... You know, you, it's, got, it's going to stand a chance, but they've got to make it like Ring of Honor fans want to see it. And that's not what they've had so far. So hopefully it will solve its own problem. We shall see. Let's get back to this main event, which I falsely advertised earlier. I've been jumping the gun a lot this evening. I do apologize. It's because I'm recording on a Saturday. I normally record on a Sunday, um, but for the last two weeks I've been recording on Saturdays and it's been a bit strange. I think it's thrown me. I'll have to go back to Sundays next week. We'll see. Anywho, let's go back to wrestling. Uh, Bandido took his first world championship by defeating Roosh in 16 minutes and two seconds. An absolute thriller. This is the best title match I've seen all year, and I've seen some corking title matches, but this one took the biscuit. Bandido has got a tough uphill grind as a heavyweight champion. Well, don't have heavyweights or junior heavyweights in Ring of Honor. As the champion of the company, especially as Brody King is going to be breathing down his neck in about six months' time. But he is an excellent choice. And the fact that we have seen Bandido develop essentially since about 2018 when he burst on the international scene in Ring of Honor and then did all sorts of international tours and worked all over the world. Um, and now he's Ring of Honor world champion. The young man that left the CML dojo to go his own way for five or six years ago absolutely made the right decision. And this was paid out by the Ring of Honor booking crew who decided he would be the world's, world's champion. Um, and Roosh, this had been an incredible title run where he's looked unstoppable in the matches we've seen him in and he's carried himself as a world's champion and he's looked like a world's champion and none more so in this match. Bandido was obviously the underdog going into the start of the match, um, but he looked like a superstar by the end of it. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? I 100% agree. It's definitely one of my favorites of the year. Um, and it's cool because this guy, you know, uh, Roosh has just been, you know, really masterful. The, the company's really made him just such a force, 
you know, and he's absolutely, like you said, carried himself like a champion, handled it like a champion. I mean, they did a whole um, however many hours long video of just him, of just all the victories he's compiled as champion. It's really been something cool to see. And like I said, you know, him leading the faction, you know, in, in New Japan and actually, you know, them having that type of momentum has been really cool. Um, obviously, you know, King has been a big mouthpiece in that regard. I mean, obviously, Roos can speak some English, but, you know, um, there's also been a cool mystique around that, too. And then, obviously, now you got Bandito coming on. It's almost like the the masked Desperado, you know, trying to find a dethrone this this uh, this Latin king, if you will. So, it, I mean, it was, it was a great story. I mean, he's he's won so much. There was never a doubt in his mind that he was going to win. So, <laughs> that, you know, he wasn't going to retain. So, he just, he really... You know, this this is one a sticking point for me when it comes to like villains, just in movies and TV. Like you can't play with your food. I don't care how small it is. You can't play with your food. You know, and that's that's kind of you know what got him. And uh, yeah, like you said, Bandito's got an uphill climb, man. But I think one thing that this this match particularly showed, he definitely has the crowd behind him and can get them rallied behind him, and really can be that that comeback that comeback guy. You know, and I do think there's something to be said. You know, because I had this conversation with somebody else about like you know how far do you think like a non-English speaking champion can go and I said you know I think they can go real far if if they're a great character and you know they had these great matches and I think both Roosh and Bandito you know kind of proved that so but this is far from over you know Bandito kind of escaped <laughs> with the win um so we'll we'll see man but just like you said this was a great match and this is this is how you close out a show like this so yeah yeah this was on the edge of your seat wrestling with near falls and just everything you wanted. Big dives, big spots, Roosh being a dick because <laughs> he does that really well. And it just, just made sense. It just, it closed out a show that was patchy, but overall was a solid outing. And it just put the icing on the cake of a well-prepared wrestling show that had a, a reasonable sense of style and a reasonable sense of booking sense there were some glaring errors that we've probably pointed out. Um, but yeah, it just it was just good. Yeah. It was the kind of thing that Ring of Honor used to do really well, be competent. You know, like impact for years was a disaster area waiting to happen. And it was like you didn't know what was going to happen, not in a good way. Yeah. Which is not what you want to be with your wrestling show. Ring of Honor is a dependable product that's a bit in places, yeah. but generally speaking is a competently performed and competently booked professional wrestling product. And that's what we had here. And I was really pleased with it overall. What about you, Marcus? No, absolutely. I'm right there with you. Like I said, you, you got two good good characters in that ring. Um, and just that story, like you said, Roosh plays that a-hole very well. Um, even down to the thing of pulling off, you know, pulling off the mask. And he, he ripped the mask, which we automatically know is a no-no. And that ultimately is what cost him. Like I said, you can't play. You have to, like I said, you have to get in there and, and get it done. And I think that's going to piss him off more than anything because now Roos knows what it takes to be in that ring with him for a prolonged amount of time, and now he's going to have a game plan. So, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it, it was just really cool to see. It was really cool to see the fans react that way just to have them back. I know it meant a lot to the roster. So, you know, and, and the poor freaking referee got tossed. And the whole and the whole bit, but like I said, it's it's just really cool to see everything that's going on because a lot of times I'm so used to seeing factions just being 
thrown together just because the individual guys had nothing else to do with it. But here, it, it works. You know, the faction that, that's in the company is working, even the doggone, because um, they did an hour one before the show on YouTube. Uh, even the Beer City Brews and his guy got a little thing going on. So it's uh, it's, it's real cool to see. But like you said, this match with any indication, Roosh is going to catch a lot of hell maintaining that title. <laughs> That's what you want to see. You want to see that uphill battle. You want to see that underdog come back, and uh, you know that the LI, the LI boys, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna make them work for it. So, you know, I think Ring of Honor really set themselves up for an, an exciting rest of the year. It's ironic that you brought up Impact because they have to follow this show with this Slammiversary pay per view tonight. So we'll see what they're gonna do. But for here, yeah. I'm, I'm and we, I'm glad I chose this preview for us both to check out because I think we both needed to kind of check back in with Ring of Honor, and uh, this was this was a hell of a check in. I'm I'm, I'm glad I, I watched this show. There has been a Ring of Honor show announced for November in the UK, which I was intrigued because it is actually one of our former colleagues at Total Wrestling Magazine, Gary Ward, who promotes a wrestling company called Wrestle Carnival. You may have heard of them. And I'm looking nice. at the match listings, and I'm like, Gary, really? Can we say it's a Ring of Honor show? The matches announced so far, Dean Almark versus Doug Williams. Doug Williams was a Ring of Honor wrestler once uh, in a pure rules match. Casey Owens versus Giselle Shaw, neither of whom have ever been Ring of Honor wrestlers, but they're both very good. Chris Ridgway versus Carlos Romo. Again, neither of them are Ring of Honor wrestlers either. Joe Endry, who is a Ring of Honor wrestler, versus Leighton Buzzard. Oh, Session Moth Martin is on the show as well, so that's two, at least. <laughs> that, that's, that's Ring of Honor-ish. That's not Ring of Honor. Ring, Ring of Honor light. <laughs> light, that's not... Oh, that's funny. Well, to be fair to Gary, it's nothing to do with him because it was released on the cage match um, show, cage match listings, but just made me smile. It's like, I'm sure there'll be more Ring of Honor people announced, and it's all down to the availability. But at the minute, it's just kind of like, Ring of Honor person. <laughs> but there we go. That's mean. I should stop being mean. I'm supposed to, we're supposed to be the positive people who aren't mean to people, aren't we, Marcus? That's what they tell us. Yeah, but you know, it's, uh, it's it, it, nothing we ever say is an ever mean spirited. We, we've never been those guys, so it's, you know, harmless fun, but that is. And we try to get a laugh in as much as we can because there's so many <laughs> things that we have to witness in the world and specifically on Twitter that's not to be laughed at at all. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's fun. Yeah. But I wish you guys the best of luck, though, because that's that's big. You know, things getting back to you know some form of normalcy, specifically you know with, with stuff in the UK. So, well, we hope so. Um, Sixty thousand cases this week. We'll see what happens, but it'll all be good, I'm sure. <laughs> Anywho, thank you very much for listening to the Troopany Show. We hope you've enjoyed your time, Marcus. Where can we find you on the internet, sir? You can find me on Twitter, uh, you know, always down to talk w w with anybody, really. Uh, just be be sensible and, and, you know, not yelling at me in all caps. No no reason for that. We can have nice, sensible <laughs> back and forth conversations. Find me on Twitter at Paradox Kid. That's P-A-R-A-D-O-X-K-I-D. Uh, do, do people shout at you in caps? That's mean. You're like oh, the so nicest person in the world. Oh no, it's just it's just stuff I see. You know, it's it's always a crapshoot on Twitter. You never know. Cause <laughs> so, hey, let me say we're having this wrestling conversation. Let me make sure this person's entire page isn't a dedication page. <laughs> you gotta be careful. 
It's always yeah. don't you anything about Seth Rollins. I, I, I like that. Just okay. All right. <laughs> yes. I my favorite this week has been AEW sold out the garden like in a day. And WWE fans going mental because no other promotion could ever possibly sell out the garden except the fact that New Japan did it two years ago. Um, and it's like, and then WWE did a run a show. WWE announced the show on the day that they announced tickets for two a week before. Um, and it's Trevor Day who does a, one of the one of the big podcasts, and he's he's really good. I like him a lot. I follow him as Canadian guy, and yeah. uh, he made out that like they've done this. And he didn't say whether it was bad or good or indifferent. WWE fans were going like, well, well, I mean, of course they're going to do things like that. And it's like, it's because the AEW tickets are so low. And my favorite, my absolute favorite was Tony Khan is just personally rich and he's just bought all the tickets for himself. Uh, Like whatever whatever narrative you need to tell yourself, I just think we all as a collective is... Self-proclaimed wrestling fans need to be happy that fans get to come back to watch that stuff live because a lot of us don't get to do that. Indeed. Indeed. I, honestly, I'm still terrified. I won't be going to a live wrestling show for a while yet. However, yeah. that's mainly because I work with children and the last thing I want to do is to take a really awful disease that I've had and give it to somebody else. So I try and be sensible even though I do leave the house. I'm not a recluse. But I do try and be sensible and not go to to different places as much as I possibly can. But if you're going to go to a wrestling show, as long as you stay safe and you wear a mask and you uh, social distance, have a good time and enjoy yourselves and just be safe around others. It's all we can ask for. Yeah, absolutely. All right, then. Um, You can find me at Sheriff Lone Star on Twitter. You can find the show at Troopany Show on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook and the Patreon where you can keep the Troopany Show free forever for everyone. Uh, we've got some uh, we've got on the show this week we've got well on the channel this week we have the, some uh, wrestling rewind where they'll be looking at the 1999 Starcade I'm, I'm wanting to say he said looking at his SoundCloud because he can't remember the file that Dara sent him yesterday and he put it on the internet where is it should have had a look to this before yes it's quite entertaining I like it it's good and uh, where's my tracks listing gone? Oh, you're showing you far too much behind the scenes about when we organized over there. I was right. Starcade, 1999. There you go. That'll be that. It was quite good. Um, <laughs> well, it was Hogan era WCW. It was as good as it could be. Um, yeah, we'll be back next week. I have a show in the can with Dave from the Wrestling Rewind, which is a complete blast because... I picked a random bunch of wrestling matches for Dave to watch, and he watched them and gives me his thoughts, and we laughed our socks off. Nice. So Shout out to Dave. Yeah, because Dave's ace. <laughs> um, and we laughed our socks off and had a great time because it's the first show we've done together. And I might do a show that's entirely called Dave's Wrestling Playlist um, whenever Dave's available to do a Troopany show, that might be Dave's go-to, and I'll just do him random wrestling stuff and see what he thinks of it. So you may hear that next week. There are some big New Japan shows to look at, though, so we'll see what happens. Take care, and we'll see you soon. Bye!